Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Ben Jung. As tensions in the Middle East threaten vital shipping lanes, a drive to restock depleting oil stocks, particularly in China, the U.S., and Europe, might support demand and prices in the coming months. And while such tensions in the Red Sea remain high, there is an unknown timeline to resolution. With the earnings season well underway, more companies have been highlighting the Red Sea as a flashpoint and as a watch factor. Into the months ahead. So, to find out which sectors are the most impacted by this ongoing tension, joining us on the phone today is Lo Pei Han, who is the head of equity research at the Bank of Singapore. Hi, Pei Han. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Hongbin. Thanks for having me here today. All right. Okay. Hey, so the attacks in the Red Sea, they have raised shipping costs sharply and it's lengthened delivery times, disrupting production schedules and raising costs. And this earnings season, it looks like more companies have highlighted disruptions in the Red Sea as a watch factor in the months ahead. So which sectors have largely been impacted by the Red Sea conflict? Yes, as you mentioned, during this earnings season, we are seeing that companies are highlighting this as a topic to focus on in the months ahead. And we see this particularly in the sectors of general retail, sporting goods and autos, which is the automotive segment. And I would add that they are mainly in the European and Asian space, mm. given that the Red Sea is a popular route for Asia-Europe shipping. Okay, well, we'll dive into these sectors in just a bit, but have share prices of such companies been hit as well following their concerns surrounding the conflict? Yeah, we have seen some negative impact on certain companies that have been heavily reliant on supply chain, dependent on Red Sea shipping, especially those that have low inventory levels. For instance, uh, those relying on the just-in-time manufacturing model. Mm. But by and large, the impact still looks manageable for now because the end market demand is not as strong and there is still some slack available. Okay, but how concerned should we as investors be? Are we near a systemic COVID 2.0 style supply chain disruption? Well, as we discussed earlier this earnings season, more firms are highlighting this Sea flashpoint as a watch factor. But for now, impacts are still fairly idiosyncratic. They seem to be nowhere near systemic COVID 2.0 supply chain disruption. But investors are advised to consider the impact on a sectoral basis because it can really vary quite a bit. Okay, so let's dive into those some of those sectors. At the forefront of the issue is, of course, the transport and logistics sector. I mean, disruption in the Red Sea has had a sharp impact on the global transport and logistics markets. But as you've mentioned, I mean, we haven't seen or not yet seen a significant impact to air freight rates. But would you say container shipping and oil tanker companies are kind of, you know, clear beneficiaries in the near term? Should investors look into such companies? to seek better returns? Yeah, well, ships have been seeking to avoid the region, leading to diversion and resulting in longer voyages and adding shipping demand. So we see that the ship arrivals in the Gulf of Aden, they are down about 70% year on year. Mm. In the fifth week of this year, uh, with the most drops for container ships, followed by car carriers, then crude tankers, and then finally bulk carriers. So as a result, container spot rates have rallied 
and more recently, oil tankers have also begun to avoid the region. So certain tanker rates have also increased in tandem. So back to your question, container shipping and oil tanker companies are clear beneficiaries in the near term. Mm. But over the longer term, we would point out that fundamentals would reassert themselves. And the large number of container ships that are due for delivery this year and the next year may settle the sector with excess capacity. So we would advise investors to look into the fundamentals of the sector, for instance, Mm -hmm. the demand and supply of the vessels, and to take a longer-term view in their investments. Okay, so how can, you know, such persistent disruptions in maritime routes affect larger market perceptions, particularly global trade and economic stability? Well, such disruptions can lead to shipping costs, delays in delivery times, and potential shortages of goods. And if the disruptions are persistent, there could be upward pressure on prices and inflation. And on a more extreme level, the uncertainty caused by disruptions can erode market confidence. It could affect investor sentiment and lead to just more volatility in asset prices. I see. I mean, events in the Red Sea are also testing the resilience of the auto supply chain. I mean, thus far this year, Tesla, Volvo, Suzuki and Michelin, they have temporarily halted production at European manufacturing sites due to supply chain delays. Would the conflict at the Red Sea have a long lasting impact on the EV market as well? Well, with regards to the conflict at the Red Sea, the timeline to resolution is still unknown because it's really dependent on geopolitical development. Mm-hmm. But currently, there are few signs that the Red Sea tensions alone will lead to a long-lasting impact on the EV market. Instead, we think that the bigger drivers would be the advancement of technology leading to lower costs in the EV industry, political will to push through the energy transition and provide subsidies to encourage the development of the EV industry, etc. So, all these, we think, would be more important drivers for the EV market, in our view. I see. What should investors then know when investing in the current EV market? Well, now the EV landscape in the US and Europe is quite different from, say, China. Mm-hmm. In China, there is fierce competition going on, pushing down prices and weighing on industry margins for the OEMs. But it's exactly this kind of intense competition that has led to faster technology, innovation and cost optimization that created the global competitiveness of the Chinese EV industry. So while near term, the margin is lower than otherwise in, say, a less competitive environment, companies actually benefit from faster technology progress, which in our view actually deserves a higher valuation multiple to compensate the curb margins. But on the other hand, let's say outside of China, the EV landscape looks very different. In Europe, the market penetration for EVs is expected to grow, but this is expected to be slower than in prior years. In the US, the EV market actually suffered a lackluster 2023, and this is mainly due to the uncertainty surrounding tax credits and higher interest rates complicating consumer decisions to switch to an EV. Mm. So when investing in an EV market, I think it's important to note the different dynamics in different regions. I see, I see. I mean, now general retail and consumer staples sectors, they are also impacted by the Red Sea tensions. In fact, H&M's new CEO, he has also mentioned that the firm is concerned about the situation in the Red Sea. How would this further impact such companies' earnings results in the year ahead? 
Well, elevated sea freight rates would pressure the margins of retailers. And the uncertainty here is that there is an unknown timeline to resolution. Companies still expect near-term effects from surcharges over the first half of this year and medium-term effects on cost of goods sold and inventory from the second half of this year onwards because, you know, they reset the contracts and that's when they talk about new terms and conditions. We point out that regional freight exposures would differ based on the business model and sourcing mix. So companies that are potentially more impacted would be those that have greater reliance on Asian sourcing Mm -hmm. and uh, higher use of sea freight in their operations. I see, I see. I mean, meanwhile, with major sporting events underway this year as well, including the Olympics, of course, are sporting goods companies impacted by this conflict as well? Well, in the sporting goods industry, comments from companies and industry experts have suggested that brands are pulling forward some inventory volumes, but are helped by the fact that the greatest need for timely products in Europe is mainly around the major sports events, which is still some time away. Uh So, for instance, the Olympics is expected to take place in Paris from July to August. Germany will host Euro 2024 from June to July. Uh So, hopefully, we'll see some elevation in the tensions by then. Hopefully. What about in terms of luxury goods? The current disruption is unlikely to have a significant impact on product flow or cost for luxury brands because most of the companies they use air freight rather than ocean shipping. Mm. While air freight rates saw a seasonal rebound in 4Q last year, these have seen east and there is there are little signs that the disruption in the rates is impacting air rates for now. But we do note that some freight forwarders like KNN and DHL, they've actually reported customers switching to a combination of sea and air freight with goods arriving in containers, switching to air cargo in Dubai or LA for further transportation. Okay. Overall, though, Pehan, are there any notable changes in investor sentiment or risk appetite amid this crisis? I mean, if so, how are these changes affecting capital flows and investment decisions? We have seen some negative impact sentiment for certain companies that are heavily reliant on the supply chain dependent on rates of shipping and have low inventory levels. But by and large, the impact still looks manageable for now mm. because end market demand is not as strong. But I would say that the impact has been rather idiosyncratic on companies and sectors for now. So it's really dependent on the investment that the investor is looking at. Mm. So we, it's very hard to generalize with a broad brush. Yeah. <laughs> I I see. But before we let you go here, Pehan, going forward, how should investors be evaluating the ability of these businesses to withstand these disruptions? Well, these developments again highlight the importance of having robust supply chains to tackle challenges when unexpected circumstances occur. Uh-huh. So firms that have operations which operate in region four regions would have less problems in comparison, while those that have weak supply chain contingency plans may be ascribed lower multiples by investors in the longer term unless they build more resilient operations in our view. I see. Well, thank you so much, Peihan, for your time and your insights today. Thank you, Hongbin. Thank you. We've been speaking with Lo Peihan, who is the head of equity research at the Bank of Singapore. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Money and the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.